What's up? And welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan. I'm here with my co-host Dave. Dave! What's going on, man? Yo, dog. How was your weekend? It was going well until a sporting event didn't go my way. But overall, I cannot complain because it's Oscar day now and very happy with the result. Yeah, we had a lot to talk about today. So we're, we're going to be touching on some news, playing a little bit of catch up because we haven't really uh, been talking news at all the last couple weeks. We're going to be talking Oscar noms, American Crime Story, the assassination of Gianni Versace, and Call Me By Your Name, a little bit more of an in-depth discussion, follow-up to our best of list, which you can find on YouTube. SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod has the links to everything you need. Why don't we start, though, with Mr. Kanye West, daddy of three now. homie. Honestly, so uh, I came home yesterday, and Julianne was watching uh, Keeping Up With The Kardashians. Like you do. And I got transfixed because Kanye was in the episode, and I just, I couldn't take my eyes off because I just wanted to see what Kanye was doing. Before. Yeah, dude, I, I would be the same way, actually, because he's not on the show that much, right? No, he's on every, like, 10th episode, it seems like, according to Julianne. I've watched, like, the episodes that when she's here watching it, but I don't seek it out. Interesting. It sucks you in, though. It's, like, kind of interesting how it's so mindless, and you're just kind of like, huh, and, like, care about it. It's been people. on TV since, like, what, 07, right? Like, it's yeah. one of the most successful reality shows of all time. Like, obviously, it, it knows knows what it does right. Chris Jenner, man. She's evil genius. Yeah, for sure. But Kanye's new baby, the name is uh, Chicago. Hell yeah. What do you think? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love that baby name. Considering a million white girls are named Brooklyn, I don't see how anyone can have mm. a problem with this. <laughs> right? Brooklyn Decker probably was the most famous Brooklyn. Brooklyn Prince, the girl in the Florida Project. <laughs> ah, right. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about her. I haven't seen that yet. I should make a point to see that. Shout out to Sean McKenna. So he's going to get me some of those Oscar movies that are out of the theaters on the flash drive. Oh, so looking forward them to that. screeners. The homie. Yeah, Chicago almost seems predictable yeah. in hindsight. Like, like it, it was so easy. <laughs> Kim looks great. One day after birth. Looks no awesome. That, that surrogate. Shout out her. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, I forgot it's a surrogate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we jump, in, jump into some real news, though? Some industry news, because uh, I don't want to talk about Kanye again until we have some music to talk about. Amazon, Netflix, and MoviePass, all with some uh, making headlines recently. Let's start with MoviePass. So you've been using and abusing MoviePass. <laughs> I mean, getting more than your money's worth. You've seen how many movies with it now? Maybe like 15? Oh, I, it's probably over 20 now. I've had it since November, Crazy. and yeah, I mean, I saw, wow, I saw the whole Oscar field on MoviePass, as well yeah. as uh, Thor, Justice League, Star Wars twice, Jumanji, Grace Showman, Pitch Perfect. Yeah, I saw I saw a lot of movies on MoviePass. Hostels. Using and abusing it. I think I've seen probably close to 10 now with MoviePass, so also getting my money's worth. But we had this discussion when it first came out, how are they going to be able to sustain this? It seems like they've unveiled their next step in their marketing plan which is to grab their own projects movie pass ventures gonna be acquiring movies which i think will allow them to market these movies to their viewers and hopefully help them turn a profit off those what are your thoughts on, on this movie so i think it's absolutely genius because i mean so this all came out around sundance Sundance it's going on right now we'll probably talk about sundance movies maybe next week but movie pass is at sundance and this is where they you know drop this bomb so the industry has Growing much more receptive to MoviePass. Even uh, AMC, the biggest uh, you know theater chain in the country, has already softened their stance. They're basically like, we don't know how they make money, but they're not as like anti MoviePass as they were back in August when the big price drop happened. The reason that is, the reason why everyone's like, you know, these guys aren't going away, is because of this MoviePass Ventures idea, where they'll seek to acquire 
smaller movies, you know, n- not event movies, not $100 million movies, but smaller movies with smaller budgets that often don't make a huge box office return, right? I mean, look at the Oscar movies. Critics tell you how great they are, and they get awards, but they don't always put people in the seats. And if MoviePass can guarantee maybe 2% of that opening weekend, you know, based off the, the box office, they can guarantee that opening weekend bottom line to the the other distributor, you know, the, the studio who made said movie, you know, everyone's going to get down. I mean, they essentially be like IMAX because IMAX can guarantee people, you know, a certain percentage of movies because obviously the expensive ticket. MoviePass's strategy, of course, would be simply to just market the shit out of whatever movie they acquire to everyone who has MoviePass, ideally leading many people to go see it because, again, the only thing that's stopping them is time. So I think it's really cool. And MoviePass is, they're a disruptor, to use a overused word. It's fascinating. A disruptor, but in a really good way. You know, I think we had talked about how movies were something that, or at least I know I had talked about how movies were something that were so difficult to go to in the past. You know, they're expensive. They take time. You got to drive to the theater, sit down. You can't really get food there unless you want to drop like the same price as the ticket you got to, just to get snacks. This really cuts down not only the cost, but just the convenience of it. I mean, you don't mind going because you're like, okay, I can go and take two hours, three hours out of my day to see a movie I want to see because I'm not paying $15 for it. If I don't like it, then I'm like, oh, this sucks because you can go see 10 movies in in 10 days and get your money's worth. And if you like seven of them, that's really good. If you even if you like three of them, you got your, your tickets worth. Also, this just makes so much sense from like the technological perspective because it's not really going to cost them that much to advertise like they probably want to hire creatives to come up with the advertisements and like tech technological people to support their platform and how they're doing the advertising but other than that it's just going to be all through their app that's already created so a great move by them a company i'm not sure if this is a great move for amazon they are shifting their tv and their movie strategy to try to get the next big thing so the headline at the end of last year was amazon is trying to get the next game of thrones and they did that by basically acquiring the original yep. game of thrones. <laughs> <laughs> by getting lord of the rings to make a tv series now they're going they're moving away from indie movies which what i saw from most of the uh, articles i read is five million dollars or less for a budget and they're trying to acquire movies that have a 50 million dollar budget or, or more right. they're trying to get the next big blockbuster and not as many small movies i don't know how i feel about this move i want to hear your take first because i don't know if i am on board with this they're not really seeking out the blockbuster so much as like that middle movie we always talk about going away big movie 100 million and up right right 100 million right small movie little movie 10 and under so the middle is obviously there's a huge range there but you know around 50 is what they're mentioning and you know manchester by the sea and the big sick to uh, the most successful indies Amazon has acquired recently, both cost under 10. Obviously, they purchased the movie after Sundance, but then the budget itself, the movie wasn't that expensive. So obviously, very easy to make it profitable. And then The Lost City of Z is actually kind of in the middle. That costs $30 million. But to target like, you know, like a baby driver-esque range, you know, 50, is actually really interesting because, like I said, that range has been going away where everything is cheap as shit, you know, like a Blumhouse picture or easy to make money off of, or an event movie that sells itself. So the fact that we have big player like Amazon Studios actively seeking out that middle ground, I think bodes well for creatives because there's plenty of people trying to make those projects, but they haven't been doing the best, you know, at the box office. Uh, Logan Lucky comes to mind just last August. They're saying they're not totally abandoning the indie space, it's just they're basically branching out in terms of the movies they buy. So it's tough to really project how much this will change but i think high in the sky this 
does help the middle movie, which is great for the industry. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I I think about a movie like Lost City of Z, and I do want to see those type of movies continuing to be made and just people given those type of projects. And I think it's it's been swayed recently because I feel like we've had a lot of really young and upcoming directors take off really quickly. Like Ryan Coogler comes to yep. mind. Not as many directors are going to have that sort of leap where they go from making small budget movies to making huge movies that everybody's going to see and going to get behind. So having these middle ones is so essential just for creatives to be able to take this these steps and work up to these bigger projects. It's just, I almost feel like the way that the movie industry has been going with everything being either really big or really small has almost like conditioned me to want to have those sort of films. And exactly. I, I can't even imagine a, a middle ground that I want to see at this moment, but it's the type of thing where when it comes out and it catches on on Amazon and everybody's like, oh, you got to check this out, I'll probably enjoy it. Again, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out, but it's important news. You know, I saw, I saw on my drive home after I got out of the car, I checked Twitter immediately because I'm addicted, I think. And I checked our Twitter, Nostalgia Pod, check it out. And you were tweeting about Netflix getting more comedy on their yeah. platform. How's Netflix doing? You know, we're talking about Amazon, we're talking about MoviePass. Yeah. Pretty good? Oh, yeah. No, so I, I don't have the exact figure, but earnings report for quarter four. Netflix has exceeded subscriber growth to the surprise of absolutely nobody they're over 100 million subscribers globally i mean you know their their earnings were up gains on the shares were more than expected which is great to see for netflix because they're spending all of their money on just original content original content and the fact that's panning out like that is great to see because we're obviously we're huge proponents of what netflix does the comedy angle that news just dropped yesterday uh, that's actually very interesting last year as as everyone knows they basically corner the market on stand-up comedies by just throwing $20 million at every famous you know, comedian. Seinfeld, Chappelle, Chris Rocks, who still haven't come out, etc., right? But now they're basically condensing the half-hour special, which is uh, industry standard on you know Comedy Central and whatnot. And now they're going to do 15-minute specials for much lower-profile comedians. Obviously, these are the kind of comedians that are going to get the big bag from Netflix, but... The fact that they, they're getting the small comedians now to just flock to their platform with something, a new idea like this, I mean. It's so fucking smart. It's it's lo- low risk for them and such high reward if, like, one of these comics catches on and takes off. Or even, like, if, like, two of them become, like, medium range after this. Because they're, they're going to sign on with Netflix to do their, their next special, which everyone's going to want to see. And it's so fucking smart. That that company is just uh, head and shoulders above everybody else right now. A show that is not on Amazon, Netflix, MoviePass. But on FX, and I want to touch on season one. We didn't really talk too much about it when it came out. I think neither one of us watched it at the time. I just watched it. Uh, American Crime (laughs) Story. Dave, so give me your hot takes about American Crime Story. I think I talked about it on our year end for 2017, or 2016. So yeah, it came out with summer 2016, Emmys Mm -hmm. a year ago. I think it's still winning Emmy Awards, actually. I feel like that yeah, or Golden Globes, right? You know, the weird, the weird, the weird <laughs> calendar. It's like Big Little Lie. It's always there. <laughs> it's very well done. Excellent cast. Everyone knows this. Sterling K. Brown, Sarah Paulson, and Courtney B. Vance, of course. Telling the O.J. Simpson story. Yeah, well-deserved Emmys about the most public trial of all time and really gets into stuff, you know, you didn't think you knew. Really well done. And, and the, the cast is, it is a deep bench there. But, you know, just watching it after knowing everything that's happened with the show, I'm like, I just can't help but think that the show is just really overrated. And that's not saying it's bad at all, but the show is just overrated. <laughs> Every big actor was nominated for that. They nominated Cuba Gooding Jr., John Travolta, and fucking Schwimmer. That's excessive. It's just big names. And 
because it's the limited series slash TV movie category, it's not as bad. This resulted in Fargo season two getting shut out. And I'm like, as a season of TV, Fargo season two is so much better. And it's just because Peel vs. OJ was just so inherently watchable. It was easy to mm-hmm. digest. Like, it, you know, it's a Ryan Murphy joint to a T. Uh, like, I get it. Yeah, I, I was just like, I wish we, we could have slowed our roll on this in 2016. But yeah, again, really good. You know, it's funny because I, I they, they went for the big names for a lot of it. I'll, but yeah, Paulson, Courtney B. Vance, and Sterling K. Brown are the three that I come, I come away from that being blown away by. Everybody else is this kind of big name, fun to watch. Taking a story like that and teaming it up with such a star-studded cast is gonna draw attention especially as long as it doesn't bomb and, and it didn't it, it was it was good i yeah. don't know if it's, it goes down as like such an amazing tv show that we'll be talking about you know for years to come but it was, it was a fun show fargo season two definitely did get robbed but american crime story season two the assassination of gianni versace uh, i don't know why i went asian on that accent that was just i was trying to do italian but that was just horrible yeah, okay ryan murphy back directing uh, edgar ramirez darren chris ricky martin penelope cruz headlining the cast episode one dropped this past wednesday what did you think i liked it i think the most obvious point is that it's very different from people versus oj despite the american crime story anthology banner by ryan murphy being there that's a different show reading advanced reviews that go into future episodes apparently it's a very different vibe to the season but you know i, I liked it i mean they, they get to the assassination right away there's a lot of kunanin kunanin the guy who makes yep. did the assassination and the season is not about you know the criminal uh, trial proceedings the way people versus oj was it's actually going to follow all the other low profile murders that kunanin committed leading up to when he killed versace uh, so I think that's a that's a cool way to go about it, and you know we're we're subbing out the uh, police misconduct and uh, racism angle for AIDS and homophobia in the '90s. It still feels familiar in terms of what American Crime Story does. The cast is much less high profile, and remains to be seen, you know, how this will keep audiences' attention. If it, you know, it just has to be great writing. You know, we'll see. Guy who wrote uh, London Spy, Tom Rob Smith, is a screenwriter. So we'll see how that goes, but um, doesn't have the uh, the easily marketable ensemble the way OJ did. Yeah, and you know I think that actually works in in its benefit. Darren Chris, I mean, he's been on Glee. I think probably other a couple of other TV shows that I'm just not yeah. aware of. He's phenomenal. I came away from that show being blown away by his performance as Kunan, and he obviously has the most to do as well right now. It'll be interesting. I didn't really know much about this story to begin with which i also think helps it out because it's you're not following the most famous car chase ever the most famous trial ever the most famous murder ever you're following something that was is well known he killed like a tycoon mogul as well or something like that in in chicago but right. and that i think versace is by far his most pro, high profile murder i'm interested to see ricky martin and, and what he has to do because he was the one that I <laughs> I couldn't Penelope Cruz obviously like the most high profile actor on the set but when I saw Ricky Martin and like him just like wailing in the street I was like oh come on Ricky he <laughs> could be the one that I think pulls me out of the show the most he's but like I, swimmer really saying juice oh my god <laughs> the juice juice <laughs> 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 yeah i mean i don't really have much to say it's early uh, reviews are really good everybody's saying the show is gonna make wave it's interesting too because they were planning to do this a season three originally which we, we talked right. about in the pod before it'll be interesting to see if this uh propels them further along towards actually having a katrina story which i'm still skeptical if they'll ever get off the ground but if this is as good as people say it's going to be i think it'd be a great first step or second step 
Right, yeah, and the key to remember, which is a lot of people probably don't even realize, is OJ and Versace, they're both adapted off books, and there is no yeah. text, really, to adapt for Katrina. Uh, it was a text mm-hmm. that's, you know, adaptable for the screen, so that's, you know, the major hang-up there. But we will see. I'm uh, excited to keep watching the show. It's, it's going to be good. Are you watching anything else right now? So I'm not watching anything else yet, but there is some, some notable stuff coming out. We have uh, The Alienist on, uh, was it TNT? With Daniel Bruhl, Luke Evans, and Dakota Fanning, which is uh, based off a uh, early '90s book. Dakota Fanning. Yeah, no. So like, She's back, her baby. younger sister Elle Fanning's been in every movie, and yep. Dakota's just been sitting on the sidelines, uh, you know, letting that happen. But I'm hearing vibes like The Nick, which is good. I'm hearing uh, Mindhunter. That's very good vibes. But I want to let this ride a little bit to see how the season goes because initial watch, I was like, big cast, check. Source material, check. Reminds me of Taboo, not check. So. <laughs> I need to uh, be cautious with Cross it. Cross off. <laughs> Definitely. You know, one that I'm actually excited for is Mosaic. On, with Soderbergh. Uh, HBO. Yeah, Soderbergh. You got Sharon Stone and our, our man Garrett Hud- Hudland. Yeah, Hudland. the goat. So that, I, I'm pretty interested to see what they do with that. It's also a miniseries, but six parts, I think. Yeah, and that's actually interesting. It's on HBO, but the whole miniseries will be out by this week. It's each episode each day this week. The final two on Friday. So that's uh, interesting for... Uh, HBO's release, usually they're a Sunday place. There's a, a iOS app aspect to this show. Very interesting. But yeah, I want to uh, check that mm-hmm. out, especially since it's already you know right there. What about your man, uh, J.K. Simmons from the the great movie Drumline? Uh, uh, Drumline, right. <laughs> Damien Chazelle's <laughs> yeah. classic. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously... Uh, Whiplash. We, we all know, yeah, Whip, Whiplash, J.K. Simmons, but he's in a, a show right now, right? Yeah, it's called Counterpart on Stars, which is basically John le Carre meets Fringe, I've heard. The, mm. the Berlin Wall is factored in, so uh, also getting good reviews. The uh, He plays a dual role, but I've heard it's not a gimmick at all. It actually makes sense for the narrative, so uh, that's good to it's hear. Like two different universes or uh, timelines or something like that, right? Right, Reality exactly. Something. And then also want to shout out, I believe this is coming out on Friday, Waco which has uh, our guy Michael Shannon, Melissa Benoist, and Taylor Kish, who needs a win. Yeah! And this is about the which is a story. I, I, was, I was not aware of this story, but it was about a, a long siege with this religious sect and the FBI in 1993. You I like the premise. <laughs> what? No, I, I, no, I did not know about this. They actually just did a special on, what was it, ABC recently about it? I, w- I was watching it a little bit. It's, it's oh, interesting. Fascinating story. Fascinating story. And also, uh, shout out Taylor Kitsch. Just joined Instagram. Give him a follow. He's a beautiful man. Uh, what were you going to say, though, Dave? Oh, uh, John Luizamo, also in this show. Strong cast. Yeah, it's sorry. It's on the Paramount Network, which is the new name for Spike. Which uh, also, funny meltdown from Spike Twitter when uh, yeah. they were going to Paramount. Pretty funny. How was that? <laughs> Speaking of a strong cast, how about Call Me By Your Name, dude? Gang, gang, dog. Love that movie. I've seen probably about two-thirds, maybe maybe close to two-thirds of the Oscar-nominated movies for this season. I've had different reactions leaving a lot of them. This one, I think I had the most thoughtful time leaving the theater. I kind of left in like a bit of a daze, just like really lost my own thoughts. I like had to take a second before I started driving just to like refocus, like take a deep breath after leaving. It was a really awesome story. You described it on our year-end 2017 movie, the top 10 list. That's like the longest description of that pod name ever. (laughs) As a gay story without the self-loathing, which is a perfect description of it. And I would almost say just this movie is more about an exploration of self more than anything and unashamed feelings even though i think the points that are the most unashamed or or the moments that come from the unashamed moments are moments that come from immense shame and and doubt 
in oneself. It was just a really brilliant movie. And, you know, I don't know what's going to win best adapted screenplay. But if this one won, I would not hate it. Fucking the end where Michael Stolberg is talking with Elio, Timothy Chalamet. And, and that speech he gives him about, like, losing piece of yourself has been, like, sitting with me yeah. legit since I saw it. It's a striking movie. Yeah, if Stolberg had a bigger role in the movie, he would have got a Best Supporting Actor nomination because, I mean, that speech is, you know, that's that's the awards reel. Yep. That's the moneymaker. And I think that speech is actually really important to the movie because it kind of, I won't say dumbs down, but it kind of spells out what the movie means if you hadn't picked up on it from, you know, everything right. before the speech happens. You know, I think Amanda Dobbins described it as like, there's people that like Call Me By Your Name and the people that liked it once they had saw, heard the speech. Right. <laughs> Which I think is a really interesting way to think about how people process a movie. Like I said before, it, I think it's just the intimacy of the story is just so endearing. It has such a tender touch to it. I mean, the location shooting in Italy, obviously Luca Guadagnino, that's you know he's where he's from, really shows and it really stands out that the movie has its own visual palette. And it just really, I mean, the, the location, that house, it just, everything just really fits together. I mean, Chalamet, he's the youngest, best actor nominee since fucking Mickey Rooney, man. Well-deserved. That's a fucking crazy stat. It's like Boogie Cousins being the first person to put up a, what, 40, 20, 10, 4, 1 stat line since Chamberlain. It's exactly. Like- that's just insane, dude. You know, I, I think the moments that stick with me the most are just these simple ones. Army Hammer dancing on the dance floor and Timothy Chalamet being so like, not wanting to and then finally going out there and just like losing themselves in, like, in music. Them running around the streets of, where did they go? Like Rome, was it? Before they... Out, out of town. Where, I forgot where they got. Was it France? It might have been France. I don't remember. Like just so many little moments like that and the subtleness of the story. Like the way it came together where they hated each other, like slowly warmed up to each other, like tested each other in different ways. Yep. It blew me away, to be honest. And the more I've sat with it, the more I've appreciated it. Exactly. Yeah. It's a movie that you can think about it forever. Amira Kazar as Mrs. Perlman, too, was just wonderful. And like she, I think, has almost a more subtle performance than anyone else in the movie. And I left feeling wondering, wanting to know more about like how her and Michael Stolberg's character felt. I want to know mm. more about their perspective and their realization. Yeah. But it's almost like better that we don't find that out you right. know keep it about story that scene at the end though where Oof. he's just staring into the fire as the credits roll fucking moving dude. i don't think i caught this when i watched it but you know he looks at the camera at the very end i've seen it in gif form the way it's described is like it's like the five stages of grief uh like you see like every emotion that elio's feeling when he looks at the camera like it's fucking amazing so even though chalamet isn't the front runner for Best Actor, obviously, Ullman's won all the other awards so, so far. I have no doubt that this performance will resonate much longer than uh, Ullman's Churchill. Yeah, we're, we're going to be talking Oscar noms here in a second. I'm so fucking tired of people playing historical actors and winning these categories. I mean, it's I, I understand it, and I get there's a technical piece to it that I think is hard to compare to a fictional character. But with a fictional character, you're really creating this person. With a with a historical character, you're either giving your twist or your mimic. There's a difficulty to both. But like, I feel like with what Chalamet did, and I, I haven't seen the Oldman movie yet, Darkest Hour, I can't imagine a performance sitting with me longer than Chalamet. And I don't think Winston Churchill's going to do that for me. Right. I don't know. What, does it do it for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends what you want. I mean, it, and also, Oldman's credit, Chalamet is doing a character that's in a book. You know, it's an adapted True. screenplay after all. So it's not totally original. Yeah, no, Oldman's character is just like the whole movie is just a vehicle for his his performance for Winston Churchill. It's very 
Lincoln-esque, Daniel Day-Lewis and Lincoln. It's, it's like that. And Meryl Streep won for The Iron Lady, very similar uh, field. And The King's Speech with Colin Firth. These movies, they all have kind of that similar vibe. But I think Darkest Hour in particular, because the cinematography, because the movie takes place indoors, underground a lot, it actually kind of accentuates the performance. But yeah, no, it is interesting just because it's two very conflicting types of performances as well as two different types of actors. A great actor who's been at a long time and whose time is here kind of deal versus the young stud who's going to be the next big thing for 20 years. Yep. It's fascinating. Also in that final scene, and throughout the movie, the music was great. I mean, they pulled out the psychedelic furs for those those dance scenes, which is fucking great. Like the Sufjan Stevens songs? Those two originals? That's what I was going to say. Sufjan Stevens also getting the uh, Academy nomination for what, the best original score or best original song? Song Mystery of Love, yep. One of the two songs he did for the movie. Crazy. So I thought the music was fantastic. Luca Guadagnino. I want to see more of his stuff now. I think that was the first movie of his I've seen. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how many of them are actually in English. I think a lot of a lot of them are Italian. The last one he made was in 2015. They had Ray Fiennes and uh, right. Tilda Swinton. So I definitely want to check that one out because I saw this clip of Ray Fiennes dancing in that one, which was way <laughs> better than Army Hammer. So hell yeah, uh, definitely going to check it out. Well, why don't we move on to the Oscar noms? I'm very happy with the Oscar noms. What about you? Agreed. So the noms came out around like 8.20 Eastern time. Tiffany Haddish and Andy Serkis were doing this at like 5 a.m. West Coast time in L.A. (laughs) Shout out The Grind for that. I respect it. So I, you know, I I was still at home and I had a tweet ready in case Stahlberg pulled something off, which he did. So I was like ready ready to fire that off. But I I was just blown away that not only did there was nothing egregious happening, but that Phantom Thread fucking 11th hour nominations for like they got six nominations no one saw this fucking coming it's awesome crazy maybe a place to start it's a question i had and i actually wanted to hear your opinion oldman's cleaned up for his performance this is daniel day lewis's final performance as a actor right and he's what one three four he's the only actor to win three best actors do you think he could upset oldman probably not but the odds are better than they were yesterday because now we have the voting period. There's 35 days. According to uh, Vulture, a lot of people they talked to. The last movie voters saw was Phantom Thread. It's fresh in people's mind. The Daily Beast article is in people's minds regarding Oldman's past. So I think if James Franco cannot even get nominated for Best Actor when allegations come out at the very end of the nomination voting period, I think it's possible that Oldman loses support. But I don't think it's going to be DDL that beats him. If anyone, it would probably be Chalamet. Yeah, it's crazy. Cause I could see DDL possibly getting that like lifetime achievement award type thing but i hope it goes to chalamet if anything but i think it'll probably end up being oldman oscar's so white not as white this year man get out i think was the thing i was happiest about in these nominations not only getting a best picture nomination but a best director and a best actor for daniel kaluuya man you saw this what this weekend give us your uh give us your way too late get out review i thought it was like a real horror movie it wasn't a horror movie. i don't know why i got myself so hyped up about being spooked by it like i thought it was gonna be like it but no i loved it that's great there's a great piece by cam collins on the ringer called the movie essay we need right now which i think really captures the importance of get out right now but yeah i loved it i brought it to number nine on my top 10 and i have phantom thread at number eight and i actually threw up my list on my medium blog two late entries to the top 10 post pod but yeah get out great to see here it had a director's guild nom for best picture so the best picture oscar was probably safe but it's great to see Jordan Peele get the best director as well as Greta Gerwig from Lady Bird because they were both ridiculously passed over by the Globes and the BAFTAs. 
but again, it shows whose opinion really matters, which was the Academy. Yeah, and that, that entire category, I think, is uh, a sign of the Academy being very aware this year and trying to get things right, and also just trying to be more diverse. We have Christopher Nolan and Paul Thomas Anderson in there for Dunkirk and Phantom Thread, respectively, but then you have Jordan Peele, Greta Gerwig, and Guillermo del Toro. So a lot of diversity in The Shape of Water, man. 13 nominations. I, didn't, I did not expect it to be the most nominated movie of the year, but I guess in retrospect, it makes a lot of sense. That movie... Pretty much checks a lot of the boxes that Oscar voters look for. Yeah, I mean, Del Toro is almost assuredly going to win Best Director because Paul Thomas Anderson got into Best Director. No one on Gold Derby, the expert predicting site, had thought that was going to happen. Yeah, they thought it was going to be McDonough, right? Of course, yeah. I mean, Three Billboards, like it or hate it, and many people many people hate it, has been the, the co-favorite with Shape of Water this whole season. But the fact that McDonough got passed over in the category makes it it's like what happened with ben affleck uh, with argo argo still won best picture but affleck wasn't even nominated for best director i think that's equally surprising but yeah shape of water in the end is the most nominated film i think you know i mean i had it like i think 15th you know i, I don't love it as much as a lot of these other ones none of this bothers me i think that's my overall takeaway is you know we all have our, our preferences with these with these top Oscar movies, but overall, I think they got most of it right. Yeah, were there any like notable snubs for you? Obviously, McDonough might be one. I think Hank's not getting a Best Actor. It was one that was surprising, but I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's like thinks it's egregious. Right. So I actually got into my nomination thinking on my blog as well. But Best Actor is is low key a boring ass race. All four acting categories we can get into this have a clear top two, a clear front runner, and then a clear runner up. Best Actor, Old Man Chalamet, as we've said, an easy third. Dan Day Lewis, we knew he would get nominated. Daniel Kaluuya, probably a safe fourth. The fifth spot was up for grabs with uh, the Franco, you know, L.A. Times piece coming out. And Franco didn't get in, and it was either going to be Denzel Washington or Tom Hanks. There's really no one else in the mix. Unfortunately, Robert Pattinson was not, you know, buzzworthy enough for good time. I, I would have loved to see him get in, but obviously that w- it wasn't happening. And yeah, Denzel Washington, he gets in for Roman J. Israel, a fall movie that did not make a big impact, was not that well-received, but yeah. people love Denzel. He continues <laughs> they do love Denzel, the nominated man. Black actor with eight. I mean, obviously he won't win. But uh, yeah, I mean, him or Hanks, it doesn't matter because it's for last place. I actually probably think that of those three, Franco probably still was the most deserving for the performance. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what actress you probably have? McDormand and Ronan? Yep. In that order? Of course. One, two. And then uh, Sally Hawkins was a clear safe third. Margot Robbie has really built herself up. The biggest part of the Academy is actors. They like the performance, so her getting it makes sense. And the fifth spot was probably going to be Meryl Streep the whole time. She did get it. Shell Williams was great in All the Money in the World. Jessica Chastain wasn't able to sneak in there, so I think that was a pretty safe, pretty chalk five for Best Actress as well. Judy Dench had the SAG nomination, so she may have been in the mix, but that five was, I think, pretty easy. Then, uh, yeah, supporting as well. Allison Janney and Lori Metcalf, the big two. Sam Rockwell and Willem Dafoe, the big two. Mary, yep. Mary J. Blige for Mudbound makes her the first actor nominated for a film directed by a person of color, which is fucking mind-boggling. That's great. That's a, that's a, apparently, that's a first for us. And Octavia Spencer. See, so this is actually kind of weird because Octavia Spencer for Shape of Water. I don't know about you, but I thought that role was way too small to warrant a. Uh, <laughs> I, I was I was kind of shocked when I saw her. I mean, I thought she was good in the movie, but I didn't think that she really did that much. Right, and the conventional thinking was that she was probably vying for the fifth spot. We assumed like the you know middle spot was safely Holly Hunter from The Big Sick. She'd been getting right. nominated all season, but she got bounced for Leslie Manville from Phantom Thread, who I who's great, a very well deserving choice. Again, we just didn't see that coming because the, the you know we didn't think Phantom Thread had a chance. But yeah, so Spencer ended up 
getting bumped even further in. So, I mean, that was kind of strange. I mean, I'm not the biggest big sick guy myself, but I thought Hunter was easily going to make it. Hong Chow from Downsizing. Tiffany Haddish, would have people would have loved that. Even Alice Williams from Get Out. But yeah, I thought Holly Hunter was going to get in. But I think, you know, before we, we really dug into that, the technical awards are almost more interesting than the best picture or the acting. I'm so much more excited to see who comes away. For example, adapted screenplay. I think that category is stacked. stacked. It's stacked. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's definitely skewed. Great for Netflix. Seeing Mudbound yeah. get in there. Disaster Artist and Call Me By Your Name are the favorites in the category. And then Aaron Sorkin's Pen Game. We knew Molly's Game was going to get it. But Logan, man, number five. Yeah. Awesome. So awesome, dude. I, I was pumped to see that. I, that movie really resonates. And if you want to hear our takes, go back and listen to our end of your list. Cinematography, another category, which you think you see Blade Runner in there. And you're like, hmm, that movie is incredible. You see Dunkirk, you're like, some of the shots in that were unbelievable. Mudbound, another movie that's unbelievable, and Shape of Water. I think it's nominated in literally almost every category. Yeah. Let's hope Deacons finally gets his win. I think it's it's between him or Dunkirk. But uh, shout out uh, Rachel Morrison for Mudbound, the first woman of color nominated yeah. for Best Cinematography. It's so awesome. That, it's so it's, it's interesting. If you look at the two screenplay categories, then you compare it to Best Picture, it, it'll tell you who are like the true favorites for Best Picture. Right. So like The Post and Phantom Thread did not get screenplay nominations, nor were they really expected to. So that I mean that shows you there were nine Best Picture nominees out of possible 10. Realistically, there's, you know, the, the top two billboards and Shape of Water and a few other, you know, wild cards and the other guys that are just happy to be there. Uh, really solid slate of noms, no doubt. Yeah, Baby Driver too, getting a lot of technical nominations. So shout out our man uh, El Gort, proving us wrong. The way I put it on my blog was a surprisingly competent Ansel Elgort performance, which I <laughs> I don't think I could say it any other way. How do you feel about Wonder Woman getting totally shut out? No down ballot, no technical awards nomination. Yeah, I talked about it on the year end. I, that movie means more in the sense of like what it stands for than actually like any technical or acting or, or performances in it. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's a movie that, that that's bigger than its parts. Right, and I mean. None of the technical awards uh, categories really stand out for Wonder Woman, right? And no. again, you look look at the field; it was a competitive race for all those categories. So they also didn't truly campaign for Wonder Woman that way. I mean, people were like, "Oh, maybe they'll sneak in for Best Picture," but you can't get a Best Picture nom unless you're going to get some down ballot stuff, like the way Mad Max: Fury Road got all those nominations. It was probably a wishful thinking to think it would happen. But just an awesome year for movies, I think, is my takeaway. Looking through and it's just like one after the other, you know, even visual effects, which has movies that we didn't talk about as like best movies of the year, Guardians of the Galaxy, Kong Skull Island, War for Planet of the Apes. Those are decent mid-tier movies for the year that had really wonderful parts of it. So just shout out 2017 is a great year for movies. Yeah. That, oh, absolutely. So last year, remember Suicide Squad? Both was nominated and won for, I believe, makeup, right? Just a, a bad movie that got an Oscar, got an Oscar attention. Scarred. Or, or what did it say? Broken or something like that? Damaged, right? Oh, fuck. Damaged. <laughs> that's what it was. Oh, my God. This year, <laughs> The Boss Baby was nominated for Best Animated Feature. I know, the Globes I did it that. too. Honestly, don't really get that because. There are anime movies. The Oscars have nominated tons of anime movies in the past. You could nominate your name. People love that movie. That's an interesting one. But again, it's such a minor thing. It doesn't matter at all because Coco's going to win anyway. <laughs> oh, there's that. that's like the no doubt category for sure. You bet your house on that basically. And you win your house in like a shed. You know, obviously the return mm-hmm. isn't good. Right. I mean, the, the biggest lot. 
for sure. <laughs> we have a long wait because I think they put it, they pushed it back because of the Olympics, I believe. Correct. It's uh, the first Sunday in March. So we got we a lot of time for we'll be talking about it, but we will we'll be giving our picks before it comes out. So stay tuned to Nostalgia Pod and uh, give us feedback at Martin Swagger at Shane World Peace and at Nostalgia Pod. Give us your thoughts on any nominations or snubs, anything that stood out to you, or if you have takes on American Crime Story, call me by your name. We'd love to hear them. Any last thoughts for the week, Dave? Culture 2 from Migos. We said it was supposed to be coming soon, and right after we recorded, they put up the date. It's this Friday. Superstars. Two singles out. A lot of big, famous producers publicized already. We'll be talking about Amigos. Probably some other movies, some other stuff next week. TV, I think. You finished uh, The End of the Fucking World. I finished Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of things to pick and choose from. Your boy Dave finally listened to that Charlie XCX mixtape from last year is what she called it even though it was really an album and you said it was good so charlie xcx had two mixtapes in 2017 and they're both really good uh, especially the first fire one. so my uh, hot take i was spreading around was that charlie xcx is better than halsey and i stand by that well dave you'll, you'll get to see halsey this year because she's uh playing the same day travis scott's playing at uh governor's ball so enjoy that yeah that she is I already copped that uh that ticket I'm curious to see who halsey goes against um as the second line gaslight mm, uh, anthem is there it's interesting. I, I can't imagine that that crowded overlap a lot. Anyone that wants to see Gaslight Anthem is not going to go see Halsey. <laughs> but who's going against Travis? It's a weird card. Probably like Post No, they wouldn't They wouldn't put Post Malone against him. No, he, it's, would... he's not that day. They already have the day-by-day breakdown. That's oh. why I'm asking. That's why I already bought my ticket. I thought Post, Post Malone Friday. was that. Well, I'd have to take a closer look. I don't know. But yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm considering Friday, I think I told you. you know, Jack White and the AAES together. Probably going to be worth it for me. But we'll be talking about music festivals, I guess, if it's necessary. If anything shakes up. But for all your content, go to soundcloud.com slash pod. Subscribe on YouTube somewhere below us. Spread the word. We need growth. Help us grow and become a better and bigger podcast moving forward to give you all the content you want. Until next week, we'll be talking about Migos. Peace out.